0: Good morning, Future Alex. It is day 41, and today is April the 18th. A news article this morning got me thinking about supply chains. And no, I'm not talking about any logistics projects in my past. I'm talking about developer supply chains. So basically, most development today relies on external libraries to get to results faster. You know, like don't reinvent the wheel. Someone else may have published a package or a library that does what you want to do. .NET has NuGet, Node has NPM, and most languages or frameworks have some form of repository where you can search for libraries, download, and, and then use them. It's extremely helpful. You can even search for a problem usually and find a suitable result uh, based on the description of the library. And a nice benefit is also that you can do automatic updates to the newest versions of the libraries in your project, so you don't get stale code or stale libraries, and all that often with a single click. Of course, some versions then change the API you're working against, or you're programming against, and then you have to update your code, or they change how they work, but it's a small price to pay for what we would call a shiny new world of plug-and-play libraries. Well all until you run into hackers. You're effectively executing code written by someone else, someone you don't know, and it's running in your environment that you're responsible for. And often it's a lot of code. You you can't really go through each line of an open source library, and that is, if it is open source, not all libraries are, And I wonder how many people have signed a paper uh, on the project they're working on saying they know every line of code in the software that they sell or that they've produced, only to conveniently ignore the libraries that they've included. Now, there are two major attacks on developer supply chains that I'm aware of and that I think are relevant – you have the attack on the main open source code itself. So a hacker might introduce a security issue into a project by means of an innocent pull request. And if the maintainer of the library isn't careful or is swamped in tasks because, you know, open source is often still an unpaid job, then that pull request might be added or accepted, and the code wanders upstream until it gets compiled into the next library release and then ends up on the package manager library database that you're using. A little more devious is an attack that's more commonly seen in phishing attempts, where you create a library that sounds very much like the real library and therefore appears at the top of the search results as well. For example, you could add a dash in between two words where the real library is just spelled without it. And at first sight, you might accidentally mistake one for the other because, you know, a developer might not pay attention and just download the library. And and that's the last time you're probably going to see the library in the search result. And so if you don't realize it and because all the code works just as intended, because after all, the hacker can just copy the open source project as a base, but add the malicious code on top of that, uh, it'll be in your project and you probably won't notice it. Now, there are some attempts at mitigating these issues after the fact, so after they've been discovered. You have the NIST vulnerability scanner that will check your packages against a common vulnerability database. And fake libraries can be identified and added to that database so that you get warned. But it still has to happen often enough for someone to take notice that, ooh, there's a fake library out there, it has to be flagged as a vulnerability. But it only takes one project to accidentally include the library for a lot of damage to be done, potentially. So what if we could prevent the library from being created in the first place? The advantage of a centralized repository is, yes, you have a single point of failure, but also a single point of checking right a, a kind of a gateway to publishing that library so the question remains how do you recognize such a fake library you can't really depend on that the code is the same as another project because well in open source projects that's called forking and it's perfectly acceptable and we've had you know it's, it's part of the open source ecosystem you probably need to have some form of reputation for the library maintainer, so the user who is developing and publishing the code. But at the same time, you don't want to add lots of barriers of entry for new library maintainers because that hinders the development of new interesting libraries. It's a tough problem, and obviously I I don't have a solution yet. But just as WordPress became a massive target for hackers due to its surface area on the web... I suspect we will be seeing a lot more attacks on developer supply chains in the future. Anyway, that's my thoughts for today. Share the episode if you like it. Subscribe for other ideas and thoughts. And as always, there's a full transcript on futurealex.com. I will talk to you tomorrow.